Dear listener, thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Inside Impact Investing. In four episodes, we're discussing the need and pathways for radical economic change. In this fourth episode, we talk about the role of private capital in the necessary radical reset. Our guest today is Ulrika Hasselgren. She's the partner at sustainable intelligence company Arabesque, and she's the co-founder of Ethics SRI Advisors in Stockholm. Ulrika has 18 years of professional experience in the investment industry. Ulrika Hasselgren and Hans Stefanen, the chief investment strategist at Triodos Investment Management, discuss together the tools and trends in investing to drive systemic change. Welcome, Ulrika. Thanks for joining our podcast. Um, the topic of this episode will be the role of private capital. We start with discussing the big picture of the reset the economy and the role of private investment and discuss tools and the toolbox, how to get there. And of course, we will end with some conclusions. So welcome. Thank you, Hans. I'm very happy to be here. Yes, um, as, a, as an appetizer of this discussion, uh, we thought it, it would be nice to start with some really short questions where you can only say yes or no. And of course, we can afterwards discuss it. Um, so as a first question, a reset after COVID-19 will happen. Yes. That's, uh, that's positive. I like it. <laughs> the second one. The energy transition made a big, big step in COVID-19 times. Yes. Mm, it's a little bit less convinced, uh, yes, but okay, let's go to the third one. Without stricter regulation, the financial sector will remain unstable. No. Okay, okay. Um, and the last one. Impact investing will become the new normal for the whole of the financial sector. Yes. <laughs> If you said no to the last question, we already had a start, I think. Um, so what what question want, do you want to comment on extra or want to come back on? Well, I mean, it's. I, I think all of these uh, questions are interesting to to maybe elaborate around. I think you know, with uh, with the reset after COVID, I mean, if uh, I mean, COVID is. I mean, it, it has certainly accelerated change. That's for mm -hmm. sure. And and if we just look at the sustainable and impact investing landscape, and looking at the 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 PRI, uh, you know, principles for responsible investment, they actually saw a 20% increase of assets under management under that under their umbrella uh, over the last year so that is of course a signal but you know using the word reset signals that we're going back to where we were before and i don't see that so i mean i think there there is a rebuild rather than a reset so that's just one comment Yeah, that's 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 of course that, that that's right. But do you think there's a real rebuild in that sense? That that uh, so we see more inflows in um, in sustainable investing in general. Are you positive about that? I'm positive about that, and I think that you know, I, actually, to to also follow up then on on your second question, where I said, 
Yeah. Yes. You know, with the energy transition and, uh, you know, I think, I think with, with the pen, you know, the pandemic we've seen, we see a diverse set of consequences. Right. Uh, and I think that what, what will come out of this, uh, is a likely increase in the gap between the leaders and the laggards in the energy transition. And that I think will drive uh, inflows and outflows uh, from an investment perspective. Um, so I think that companies uh, that understand how this sort of new normal will impact their strategies and they, the companies that are agile to adapt, they will be winners in, in the sort of rebuild and also in the energy transition. And that will, I believe, um, drive inflows. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're, we're already at, at, I think, the big picture part um, mm. um, ab about investing for recovery or uh, let's, let's also name it sometimes the, the new normal or economic transformation. Um, and on the, on the, one hand we have a lot of challenges but we have also a lot of opportunities um what do you think is and and like you said uh, we we see some signs of a rebuild but what can make the transition towards a sustainable economy go faster are there any levers we can pull now in in that respect I think that the, I mean, for the for this uh, for this rebuild and recover, I think that uh, what I find is very interesting is that we have the central banks, we have the the regulators, we have companies, and we have investors. They've become uh, so much more aware of the fact that sustainability matters, right? And. Uh, uh, that non-financial data, or what I would actually prefer to call pre-financial data, uh, is this is critical to the to the core institutions of of the modern financial system, but but also for all the pledges out there and all the commitments to a greener future and to to also build back, we need data. We need data to understand how close we are to a truly sustainable uh, future and that data is lacking so this is something that is of utmost importance and you know i think that we need we need high quality sustainability information i think this is i think we all agree with this this information needs to be investment useful financing useful in order to encourage and enable a move uh, to to uh, to build back and towards a greener future and i don't think we will achieve this unless companies and regulators work together to produce what i would say a reliable data landscape yeah yeah i i i agree that data is is one of the core topics probably um and th there is, of course, already a lot happening in, in the data landscape. And there's also from the side of regulation, uh, also uh, at least attempts <laughs> to, uh, to standardize. Um, but one thing that always worries me if you talk about a transition or going forward towards a more sustainable economy and the data that we're using, data are mostly backward looking. And how 
is there do you see any possibilities how we can close that gap or or make data not work for better solutions in the past but better solutions for the future yeah i think th I, i i agree with you there and this is this is a challenge and and i have i have a few reflections on that i think that um on on Uh, on company performance, on on our business community, uh, and and uh, um, and also with the financial sectors, I, I think that it, you know across. I think I think there, if we look at the fifty fifty plus largest economies, there are more than like seven hundred and thirty policy revisions uh, and. Uh, Uh, maybe more than 500 policy instruments which uh, support and require investors to consider ESG factors. Uh, but all of these ESG factors, as, as uh, you alluded to, many of them are backward looking. You know, we, we look past to try and understand the future. Uh, but I actually think, you know, in addition to data that is forward looking, Uh, which I think we can achieve with the use of big data, artificial intelligence, uh, and use of new technology to identify investment signals, positive or negative, but also understanding patterns of corporate performance. We also need leadership. Leadership within companies, leadership among investors and, and leadership uh, in society that does not have a narrow view, but rather a, let's say, a, a, a 360 degrees perspective. Uh, and this is, a, this is a challenge, but I think we need that ecosystem to consider, you know, companies today going forward in society, cross sectors, cross industries, Cross countries and societies. Yeah, uh, if I understand you correctly, you on the one hand say we we should use artificial intelligence uh, algorithms, etc., to to give the best possible information about the past, about uh, for transparency, for sustainability, but also for transitions. But in the end, it's also leadership or or the values of people that should lead in transition. Um, and for me, that's in the financial sector that's quite hard to combine those two it's my understanding because um, most of the, the, the asset managers or investors wants to be driven by numbers so we have financial data we have uh, non-financial data sustainability data and the data tells a story and directs the way we we invest and how can we address that challenge in, in, a, in a good way I think that if we if we use this uh, pandemic and 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 use our um, insights from the pandemic and the understanding that we don't know everything uh, that that should humble ourselves to become more collaborative because I think that we need new forms of collaboration between every 
everyone in society, you know, between investors, actually between investors, uh, with asset managers, with companies, with the regulators, uh, policymakers, different subject matter experts, the academia, because we know that we don't know, if we're honest. <laughs> uh, and and uh, so we need to, to, to work together to find solutions that is not just successful, um, you know, today, but that we can be comfortable that something might happen around the corner and we will be uh, better prepared. Uh, yeah, and that, that, that's, that's interesting what you say, that, that you need more collaboration, more ecosystems to, to invest in, in a better way. Um, but it also demands from the investment industry that you are more looking at, at the long-term perspective because collaboration means also um, uh, longer-terms relations with <laughs> all stakeholders. And it's, it's a different way than we used to invest. Uh, and uh, maybe not as we are used to invest, but <laughs> I don't talk about the total of the, of the industry. And how do we get there? Because it's it's really a challenge. Which so I completely agree that collaboration is key and taking a multi-dimensional perspective on everything we do, getting more information in to to get a transition. But um, to take an economic stance, what's in it for everyone? Incentives uh, and uh, change <laughs> change of incentive systems naturally. Uh, that as that's sort of, that is sort of an easy easy response to a very challenging question but i was uh, um you know i was i was talking to some investors in uh, in my home country sweden and uh, they are starting to and they are they're not a what I, what we would call a typical sustainable investment player but uh, uh, but more of an activist investors and they are now starting to require um uh, financial incentives for management and for board to consider sustainability or ESG uh, factors uh, as part of their uh, their decision making, and of course that that's that's fairly hardcore. I was also talking to a CEO uh, the other day of a large industry company, who said uh, when we discussed sort of the 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 transition to, to a low-carbon environment and, and about leadership. And he said that if we, as a big company, if we don't transform to a sustainable company, we will not be relevant. And that's, and, and of course, this is, this is something that, that, that we hear more often. Uh, but when CEOs start saying this, not only behind closed doors, but also in the public, that commitment about transforming uh, and walking the talk is uh, will also change the way we incentivize uh, within a company and that will need to change also um, probably uh, among asset managers and and, uh, and and in the investment community yeah th th this also relates of course to uh, so if you talk about relations it also um, relates to engagement and, and how investors engage um, and and you you 
you touched the, the subject of collaboration, while often engagement is seen as asking something extra, something different from a company. Should it need not going forward be more the case that investors, companies and, and academia or whatever try to engage in the way that you that, that you more or less lead or help to lead each, each other in a transition. So do you get what I mean? So a, a different, so a more positive way of trying to, to come together to a transition instead of saying you're doing things wrong and you should do it, things better. I, I, I think that I think that is spot on. And I think actually, Hans, that this is where we will see uh, within the private markets some of the, I hope, best cases for real engagement with real outcome where we can actually show numbers and uh, performance metrics on a positive outcome because as a private in the private markets you will you will have that sort of natural um, uh, uh, collaboration uh, engagement um, forum because you're also in a safe setting right you're not publicly uh, disclosing everything however you have a longer term perspective to make the company the private company uh, uh, you know contribute and perform so that it one day if it goes public is ready <laughs> ready for the future right um, and so that collaboration and that engagement that takes place between investors and private companies is fundamentally, I think, key to also contribute to a more effective and more efficient engagement among investors, fund managers and, um, and public companies. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking about engagement, but maybe it's good also to go to, to another topic. Um, and... And maybe stay a little bit close to it. So we, we, we talked about companies, we talked about investors, we talked a little bit about regulation, but of course we also have clients with their demands. And sometimes, but not every day, sometimes I think clients are also changing what they expect from investors and from companies. Um, what, what's your view on it? Do you, do you see a difference in what clients expect from investors? I, I think what, what, what is very clear today um, is that, and it's been, it's been a trend or it's been a development in you know, the past few years, but it, today it's very obvious that clients um, demand more from their investors, um, not only in, in terms of um, sort of transparency about a process or a strategy or an expected outcome, but also uh, increased uh, increased demand uh, for customization uh, in impact investment. Uh, and this is also something that can be enabled by technology. Uh, I mean, we have demand for thematic investments, allocation to specific solutions or targets. And, and, and here we also see that investors, they ask for more, but they're not always sure what exactly they need. So that's why we see so many initiatives like the uh, uh, Net Zero Asset Owner Alliance as one example. But there are so many uh, where investors also join forces 
to ask fund managers and asset managers for um, specific solutions, um, net zero products, low carbon investment solutions, etc. So I think that's uh, clients, you know, also see that they need something. Uh, they don't always know exactly what, uh, but there's collaboration between clients and then, of course, between clients and their um, their counterparts. What I often see happening that it is still difficult for clients to see the differences with what between different forms of sustainable investing. So yeah. we on, on the one hand, we have ESG integration. On the other hand, we have impact investing, I think. Um, but it's still, uh, for a lot of clients, a very blurred picture. What what is what, and what does my investments do <laughs> in terms of sustainability? Do you have the idea that that also regulation, but also the the, the data developments, will in in the coming years help to make that picture clearer, also for clients? I would, I hope so. I mean, uh, we talk about impact investing, and we talk about sustainable investing. We can also talk about ethical investing, responsible investment. And as we know, I mean, the landscape is, is. I mean, I used to talk about this uh, landscape, you know, 20 years ago, I used to call it a bit of a jungle. And I think it still is a bit of a jungle, even though it's, there's a lot of growth and it's green and, 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 uh, but it's, it's not always... It's the only jungle that is growing, I think. <laughs> it's then. not always easy to to navigate uh, but but so in in relation to to regulation i think that the you know the, clearly the heightened activity with regards to the regulation in the field of 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 impact investing and, and sustainability has it has some clear positive consequences i think you know there's there's increased awareness of the importance uh, of impact investing and the role of finance in, in the global efforts uh, towards a sustainable, more sustainable world, there's also that regulators have picked up on the problem of greenwashing. And by introducing clear taxonomies, uh, uh, they're aiming to reduce, of course, the, uh, the greenwashing risk. And, and, and this will also force companies and fund managers to, to provide evidence of, of of their sustainability efforts, and you know, my last point here on on, on the on, on sort of the positive side is that it also allows for uh, for benchmarking of funds and products and transparency for investors. Investors, so I think this is this is all very positive. Yeah, yeah, I agree, but I sometimes also think that it, this regulatory route in in Europe is also the most difficult one because it really starts to regulate what is green but you could also regulate what is not green which would be much easier <laughs> so so has and and that's the route we don't take but i think that's that's probably mostly a political decision and 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 not an economic one um but one 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 of the things I, I also have still in my mind on, on on this perspective is: can clients are we are we fast enough? So uh, the, the the threat I think for me for for sustainable finance is that uh, within one or two years, a lot of clients realize that they have been investing in what what seems to be a sustainable product, but is still also investing in oil. And if that's on a large scale. 
reputational effect for the whole sector can be relatively large. Um, am I too pessimistic, or what do you think? No, I think I think we live it. Live, we live in challenging times, uh, and uh, it's uh, you know I think if. I mean, what what is always needed and what is crucial these days is for 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 impact investing to become the sort of new normal. We need uh, we need that sort of clear intention, and we need the proof points that the intentional investing is actually doing what it is set out to do. And for that, of course, we need clear metrics, uh, KPIs. Uh, and clearly measurable outcomes. And this is a challenge, we know that, but we need to work with that and we need data transparency and consistency. And uh, and I also think that we need to, and this is the, probably the most difficult uh, uh, challenge, we need, we need some kind of behavioral change and mindset uh, uh, about purpose of investing, purpose of money and business in society. Uh, and 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 so I think this, of course, it, this comes back to my earlier point of um, strong strong leadership and courageous leadership. Uh, I, I I think we've seen that you know through all our lives. You know when 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 a leader uh, for you know for a large corporation or a large investor or or even political leaders, you know, courageous leaders will create and contribute to change. Um, so I think that we should encourage also leadership within the finance industry and the investment community to uh, to step forward. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's that's a very rele- relevant point. Leadership and and as we call it, the triados uh, uh, values based uh, in investing. So not. Not only, and I completely agree with you that data and data transparency is important, but I also believe that your own values and your own uh, moral compass is also important in how you make your decisions as an investor. And in the end also how you engage as an investor or how you um, talk also to your clients. Absolutely. That is, I think, one of the the biggest challenges together with all we discussed on on how you can steer money and 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 how the landscape is evolving. Um, and hopefully we can be positive about that in 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 the coming years, which brings me already because we uh, don't have all the time to our last few very short questions um, and I think I just expressed my answer to the first one my biggest hope is that there will be more values in the in the, the financial sector but what is your biggest hope for for this transition how oh, biggest hope for the transition you know I think I think if I'm a bit a little bit philosophical you know when life doesn't turn out as we intended, which is maybe, you know, if we look back with, uh, you know, look at the pandemic and we look at the, uh, uh, the climate uh, challenge, you know, you're, you were always faced with, with choices. So the two, two, the two most obvious are perhaps the one about choosing to see possibilities or the one choosing to see difficulties. And I, th- I do think that we live in challenging times. But I live strongly by the hope for a better future. So I do, you know, my biggest hope is that 
we we will make it uh, and there there is always an opportunity uh, and i think actually when it's hard when it's tough uh, we're also forced uh, to to come up with solutions and that's when we can get more creative than maybe we thought we were um, Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. That's also what happened in the pandemic. When when we are threatened, we become innovative. So, yeah. and that's also the more pessimistic uh, <laughs> view <laughs> because it, it has to become threatening. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, I can understand that. And maybe a, a completely different question. What book on this topic would you rec recommend to our listeners? Aha, On the topic of hope, I always recommend the book of Psalms. So that's a, a very particular book. But on the on the topic of impact investing, I would recommend a, a new book by, by my chairman, Georg Kell, who together with Professor Andreas Rasch of, of Copenhagen Business School and my colleague Herman Bril um, wrote a book uh, that just uh, was released that's called Sustainable Investing. So two books for you. A very straightforward, straightforward title. Yes. So that's very easy to <laughs> to recollect. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So and uh, yeah. So we have some reading to do. Um, and as a final question, what do you think will the financial sector look like within 10 years? So in 2030. Ha! Huh. In 10 years, I th I see. I see more sustainability. I see more, uh, more, more of digital. You know, I think finance, finance is really entering, you know, most of the, one of the most profound decades of change in, in its history. And, and with sustainability and technology driving transformation of the global marketplace. Um, so I think this is what we will see in 10 years, more of that. And, uh, but I also see sort of an unprecedented opportunity emerging which is being advanced by investor commitments real commitments uh, combine that with with the regulation and real economic transformation and this is this is in essence the true impact investing and this is the opportunity i think we need to take uh, that's 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 a nice conclusion i think <laughs> so uh Advanced commitments, innovation, regulation, and that will lead to a profound decade of change with the financial sector that will really contribute to sustainable investing or to a sustainable world in the future. That, 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 I think that's a conclusion. I want to thank you very much for your time and for this podcast. Thank you so much. I hope to meet you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. This brings us to the end of the fourth episode of our podcast, Inside Impact Investing, and our series, Reset the Economy. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our Inside Impact Investing podcast on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. Until next time.